Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast with lead pastor Don Headley. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships. So we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that He gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. We're kicking off a brand new series today entitled, It Ain't Working. And what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks are just uh, foundation issues that we have in a lot of different areas of our lives. And if you notice our graphic today, it's kind of poetic. Uh, It kind of gives us the idea that uh, it was supposed to be a solid foundation, but it's cracked. And instead of actually fixing it, we're just sticking a Band-Aid over it. And we continue on like everything's okay. And we don't want you to do that. And so next few weeks, we're going to be looking at different areas of our lives and trying to ask the question, what is the foundation? And then are we standing on the correct foundation? Something solid or or is it something shaky? And today I get to talk to you about uh, something that is a passion of mine. Uh, You're going to notice that probably as we get into it. I I just love this. This is one of the reasons why we got into ministry is uh, because of men, uh, men who had vacated the church, who felt like the church wasn't for them. And so today I want to talk to you about what the foundation of manhood is or masculinity. And uh, because I, I believe that uh, we have chosen the wrong foundation. It's one of the reasons why we had five different men get up here today and kind of share with you what song is special to them and why. Because we want you to know that this isn't, this isn't just a woman's thing in here. And yet, when you look around uh, America, go through all the churches, the majority of the churches are made up of women, and the men have vacated the church. And yet, we need a better foundation. Because as men, I think we've used a lot of different foundations, and we're finding out, as our title says, it ain't working. It ain't working. Uh, Now, why is a foundation for masculinity important? Uh, As she was doing research on the cultures of history, uh, world-famous anthropologist Margaret Mead said this, the chief responsibility of every society is to find healthy roles for its men. Why? Because the culture that fails to call its men up and offer them a specific masculine blueprint for embracing good and noble pursuits will see its men's men naturally dumbed down to problematic behaviors. All you have to do is look around our culture today and you see that's true. Uh, Men, let me just set the tone by saying this. Uh, God has designed you a specific way. And the way I say it, I try to say it as succinctly as possible, is that you've been gifted a certain way with certain attributes, certain characteristics. And when they are pointed in the direction that God wants them pointed, some amazing things happen. But if they're pointed any other direction, it causes destruction in the wake of this idea of masculinity. And we've seen men, uh, specifically masculinity, distorted because we've established it on the wrong foundations. And I just, I want to give you two uh, suggestions this, this morning for foundations. I think they're false, but this is something we've been taught as we grew up, and we bought into it. We thought it was a good foundation for manhood, only to find out that it is not solid at all. The first one, the first false foundation, I'm just going to label as machismo. I don't know what else to call it. And if you're 30 years or over, this is probably the one you grew up with. 
Uh, years ago, manhood was sold as this macho version of manly attributes, this type of manhood that severs emotions. You can't have feelings. You can't feel pain. You can't show any kind of emotion. And what it did is it set up sexual conquest and athletic prowess as the measures for manhood. And for many of us, this is what we grew up with. And, and the problem with that is it teaches brute force and violence as, as the pathway to masculinity. To become a man, you had to exhort some type of, of force or some type of, of this mean attitude. You had to take charge and take control. And, and we did it in very, very violent, sometimes uh, violent ways. And it resulted in anything but masculinity. And it's produced this, this culture that we have now, which produces things like Harvey Weinstein, right? I want what I want. I'm going to get it. I'm going to take it if I have to. This is who I am because I'm a man. And the problem, and we're seeing this in our culture today, is that men, listen to me, our ladies, our moms, our wives, our daughters, our granddaughters are the ones bearing the scars from this type of manhood. And it's not good. Uh, the second type of false foundation, and if you're under the age of 30, this is the pro- probably the one you grew up with, and I didn't know what to call it. It hasn't really been given a name, so I just named it quicksand, because that's what it feels like to me. But it's this idea that there is no difference between you and a woman. There's no distinction between man and woman. We're living in a day and age where they don't want you to know the difference between men and women. This, this foundation, if you can call it that, because again, quicksand is no foundation, but this foundation flattens out gender, and it says that there's nothing distinct about a man. We're just supposed to think of each other as human, and you're the same as the person sitting next to you, whether they're male or female. And, and I want you to know that is completely wrong. It's not biblical at all. Uh, this, this has been developed in a world where the leading feminist has said, and I remember this when it came out, she said, the world needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. And this is where we, it led us as men, feeling useless. Like we didn't have a path, we didn't have a purpose, there was no point to being a man in this world. The world says at best we're useless. And at worst, we're the problem. You're toxic. Everything about you is the issue that we have in this world. That's why I called it quicksand, because this will lead us to nothing but destruction, and this is where we're living today. And my fear is there are many men sitting in this room right now who have believed those lies, and you need to know that's exactly what they are. They're lies. They're false foundations, and it ain't working. We're losing our identity. You go back to the 1970s, it was, I don't need a man. The 1990s was, I don't want a man. 2023, it's, what is a man? This is where it's led us. We have no clue what we're doing. We've lost our identity. Uh, When was the last time you heard a public figure or a pastor or a teacher or a politician, somebody stand up and say, men, men, we need you? Never. You won't hear that. Everyone's afraid to even say it. But we need you. We need you to be the men that God's called you to be and not just to move chairs and do the dirty work, but to be the men that God's called you to do, to lead your family, to love and serve your wife, to stand up and stand out in our communities for what is right. We need you. Now, why has there been such an attack on on masculinity? Why is it so intense in, in our age right now? 
Now, I'm not going to get political today, but I will tell you my thinking is everything's tied together. All the way from the spiritual to political, I think it's all tied together. So let me just, I'm going to read what I wrote because I don't want to mess it up. I just want you to get the bottom line to all of this. I believe that men who fulfill their God-appointed roles as strong men of integrity and stand up for what is right and against what is wrong, who love and sacrifice for their families and communities are the only thing standing in the way of God's enemies taking control of our families, of our churches, of our communities, and of our country. That's why it's so intense. This is why you're being, being beat up and suppressed and pushed down and told you can't be who God called you to be. Culture is trying to outsource and cancel much of what it means to be a man today. And this shouldn't surprise you. I hope when I make this statement, you're like, yeah, you just agree with it. Because if this surprised you, we need to do some work. But you're in a battle. You're in a war. There's a war going on around you right now. First Peter 5 says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. If you ever want a, a, a scripture for why things are going the way they're going or what's happening, just go to First Peter 5. You'll see it right there in chapter 8. Because you have a great enemy that's working against you. Now, how did we get so far off track? How did we end up in the place that we're in today? Because Genesis 2.15, when you go clear back to the first book of the Bible, you read the Lord God placed the man in the garden to tend and watch over it. God created us. He gave us a purpose. Our, our job was to take care of the world. To, to rule over it, not, not in an oppressive way, but to, in a loving way that we wanted it to thrive. We wanted it to flourish, all of mankind. That was our job as men. So the question becomes on the topic of foundation, what should we base masculinity on? If, if that's the case, God created us to tend and watch over it. What should we be doing as men? What's the foundation? See, I believe God has designed manhood. He designed it. This isn't something we made up. It's not something you're just trying to become. God called you to this and he created you and he knit you together in your mother's womb for this very purpose, to be a man. And yet we don't know what that means. And yet when we go back to scripture and we see how God has designed it, it's amazing when it's done according to his design. It's incredible when we, when we fulfill the role that God has called us to. Now, as God prepared to make mankind, he declared that he'll make his creatures like himself and give them rule over all of creation. Why? Because we were created in his image. Genesis chapter 1, 27. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. Now, the text doesn't define the image of God. It just gives us some hints, some flashes of it all through scripture. We know that Adam and Eve were created in God's image. We also know that God created them to be holy, Ephesians chapter 4. God also called them, um, gave them the ability to, to know him, to have a relationship with him. That comes out of Colossians chapter 3. We know he gave us gifts and attributes. We can communicate, we can talk, we can be creative, we can build great things. It's amazing the way God has gifted us. Bearing God's image means possessing man, manhood, personhood. Uh, ladies, I, I hope you're not feeling left out this morning because this applies to you too. And I, I failed to mention this, but as I started talking about masculinity, some of you ladies probably checked out. I don't want you to do that, okay? Because I, I want you, especially as single ladies, to know what you're looking for, first of all. 
Secondly, if you're married or one of the ladies in this church, I want you to know what to actually applaud and cheer on when it comes to your husband or men within the church. So don't, don't check out on me this morning. But being bearers of God's image, uh, we've been given this amazing ability to have a relationship with God. That's something that nothing else in cre- uh, creation has. Uh, we've got some young kids in this church who have serious, serious disabilities. And yet, many places in society would tell you that their value now has dropped. And I, wanna, I want you to know, based on what I'm reading right here, that they are still more important than the most expensive racehorse in the world. Right? Uh, there's no way in a million years would you ever put a, an animal over a person. No matter who they are. It doesn't matter. That's what it means to have God's image. Every single person is valuable. And when it comes to men, God has given you the opportunity to fulfill the role, to fulfill the purpose that he has for us. Uh, It's interesting to me that that when we talk about men and women in today's society, all of a sudden it becomes taboo. And yet we read in the very first book of the Bible, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now this is where I'm going to cross with culture right now. I'm just telling you in advance. Two genders. That's it. Male and female, he created them. And that was a part of God's original design. And God gave each one of them, men and women, significance in the way that he designed them and created them in his image. And both as men and women, our our goal is to bring glory to God, to be a mirror of God to the world around us. Being image bearers also includes a role for us. We have a purpose that's been assigned to us as men and as women. And this this is something that society is trying to suppress and push down. And I want you to know that it's clear in Scripture. The very next verse, in verse 28, says, Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Rain over the fish in the sea, the birds of the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Our our job is to to take care of this world, to make it thrive, especially mankind. And the gifts, the way that he's designed us is to help with that, not to destroy it. And when you have false foundations, what you end up doing is taking those gifts that God has given you and you destroy it. You break it. Paul goes on in his final farewell to a church in, in Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, he writes this, some more instruction for men. He says, be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous. Now keep that in mind. Be courageous, be strong, and do everything with love. Now that's the way we read it in the NLT. NLT was written kind of uh, as, as plain English for us. But if you really, really want to know what the original text says... Um, you have to go to a different translation. I think the NASB actually has a better translation of what was actually written. It says this, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith. Instead of be courageous, it says, act like what? Men. Act like men. Some of your translations say courageous, some say brave. When he wrote this, get this, when he said act like men, they knew what he meant. Today, we have to change it to say be courageous because we don't know how men are supposed to act. We don't even know what a man is. And so we're stuck with this. But, but honestly, he wrote this to say, be, um, stand firm in the faith. If you want a foundation for masculinity, there it is. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be courageous. 
Be brave. Be strong. And then guess, guess what? Verse 14. Let all that you do be done in what? Love. See, as men, our job is to love. False foundations have led us, they've misled us and and taken us down the the wrong path. And yet, when you come back to the original foundation, you find out that being a man is all-encompassing. Like, it, it fulfills all of it. Everything that you do, you're supposed to do in love. But if we're honest, we'd say, I'm struggling, I need help with that, Right? And so he goes on in Galatians 2.20 to tell us how to do this. And this is my life motto. I love this. And I read over this all the time. But it says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. This is how we do what he's calling us to do. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. You want a foundation for masculinity? There it is. God's design is the correct foundation for masculinity. Nothing else. Build it on what it was established on. His design. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's gone. It's over. I live on through Christ. He lives in and through me. That's how I'm able to do what he's called me to do. Outside of that, I have no hope. That's a solid foundation for manhood. So here's what I want to do. I want to address four questions that I think as men we can ask, like constantly ask ourselves. And, and hopefully this will help us as we focus our, our energies and being able to fulfill what God has called us to do. Four questions. And then I want to, um, if we have time, I want to share with you a passage that I've run across has been working on me as a man. I just kind of want to share with you what I've gotten out of it in hopes of encouraging you. So let's jump into this. First question that I want you to start asking yourself is this. What's missing that I as a man can add? What's missing that I can add in in your families, in your communities, in your marriage, whatever it is, what's missing that you as a man can add? Because there are certain things that we have been gifted with as men that women have not been gifted with. You have certain attributes and characteristics that God gave you that have been pushed aside, that have been, we've been told that they're toxic, but as I told you before, if they're pointed in the direction God wants them, they're going to, they're going to bring life. They're going to allow the world around us to thrive. And we need that. So you need to add that. And here's what's great. You have certain abilities and certain things that God has given you that you can bring to the table. And here's what's awesome about men. If we show up and there's no table, we'll just build one, right? Because that's who we are. What's missing that you can add? In your family, in your community, in your church, what, what can you add? Let me just give you a freebie, okay? Here's one for the church. You know what's missing in every church in America? Older men discipling younger men. That's what we need. And you might think, well, I definitely can't do that because my life has been such a mess. I've fallen down so many times. I've got nothing to offer. Um, if that's you, let me just tell you this. There's a younger guy sitting right around you right now that desires an older man to walk with him through life. To even, if nothing else, to share with him all that you've learned so that he doesn't have to fall that many times. You have so much to offer. God wants to use you to bring up the next generation of men. What's missing that you as a man can add What's missing from your family? What's missing from your community? What's missing from your church that you can add? Second question, what's broken that I as a man can fix? You know what it says in in Corinthians? It says that I am a minister of reconciliation. You know what that means? I'm designed to fix things. I'm designed to bring things together, not break them apart, not to destroy, but to to re-engage, to hook up, to restore 
This is our job. As men, we should be fixing things, not breaking them. Uh, when my boys were young, uh, we had a, a single mom that lived across the street from us. We had an elderly couple that lived next to us. And, and every day when it would snow, I'd kick them out of bed early. We'd go out, we'd grab the shovels. And, and uh, sometimes they were so small that they would actually hurt me more than they would help me. Dads, right? You know how that is, but you still got to train them up, right? And so we would be out there shoveling with our shovels and, and we'd go over and we'd do theirs. And they would ask, well, why are we doing this? You know what the answer to that is? Because we can't. That's the correct answer. Because as men, we should be fixing things. We should be helping people because we can. We got to stop consuming and start producing. And I know as soon as I say this, I'm going to have some guy come up to me after the service and go, look, I tried. And my wife always says, she doesn't want me to fix it. She just wants me to listen. Right? (laughs) Can I say, here's part of being a man. You got to understand the difference between the two, when to listen and when to fix it. Now, here's the deal. If she doesn't want you to fix it, she just wants you to listen, uh, you can still fix it. Do you know how? Because you can pray. Because you can pray for her. You can pray for whatever she's going through. You can pray for the correct words to say to her, right? Why? Because James 5.16 says, an effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Man, listen to that passage. Men, you have power. Through the Spirit, you can fix things. What's broken that I as a man can fix. Begin asking yourself that. Third question, what's evil that I as a man can destroy. God's given you some, some aggression, some violence, right? You, you got some brute force within you. It needs to be focused on the right things. Can I just say it needs to be focused towards things that are evil? Things that are evil. Standing up for somebody who's being taken advantage of. Engage in that. Put your foot down when it comes to racism. Engage in that. Find some evil and go destroy it. Now, here's the kicker, okay? I'm just going to, I'm telling you in advance, this is just going to, this is going to be a sucker punch, all right? Uh, But we all need it. Um, It's not always the evil that's in front of us. More times than not, it's the evil that's in us that we need to destroy. See, there's not a single man in here that if I painted the scenario that some guy's going to break into your house tonight and he's going to come in to assault your wife and your kids, you wouldn't give me a graphic detail on what you would do to that dude, Right? Right, men? But here's what I've come to understand as a Christian man. The man who comes into my house every day and assaults my wife and family is me. Through my passivity, through my laziness, through my anger, through my impatience, my my lust, my pride, my arrogance. First person I need to protect my family from is me. And I need to make myself right with God. I need to get the right foundation so that I can serve my family the way God has called me to. And yes, I'm new in Christ, all right? We get to witness that tonight in some of these baptisms. I'm new in Christ, but as I read through Romans 6 and 7, I know I'm still fighting with my old self. It's a constant fight that I I go back and forth with. I like the line that says, it feels like the devil rents a room in my brain. Because that's what it feels like sometimes as a man. It's a daily grind. You got to fight it out and you got to commit yourself every morning. As a man, you got to get up. You got to pick up your cross. You got to meet with God. You got to go check with your wife, make sure she's okay. Go work out, have breakfast, shower, drop the kids off at school, and then you got to go fight sin. Work as though for God and not for man. 
You gotta be an example to the world around you. You gotta run errands on the way home. Go and have dinner with the family. Teach the kids something. Put them to bed. Love and serve your wife. Go to bed and thank God for a glorious day. You might be thinking, well, that doesn't sound like a glorious day at all. Let me tell you, that's the most glorious day you will ever have because you are fighting the fight. You're in the trenches and you're duking it out, man. Late in his life, Paul wrote to a young man that he was mentoring, Timothy, in 2 Timothy, and he says, look, I long, I desire to see Christ. And when I was younger, I didn't understand that a lot. I thought, well, that's just an old dude saying that. No, you know what I've learned? Paul says that because he goes on to write, because I have run the race, I have fought the fight, and I have kept the faith. Do you know why he longed to see Christ? Because he was in the trenches. He was grinding it out every day. He knew what he was here for. He knew what his purpose was as a man, and he was, he was leaning into it hard. And because of that, he desired to see Christ because Christ was the one he lived for. I've been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And I long to see him because I'm putting in the work every day. I'm fighting sin. But too many of us as men, we have this Kenny Chesney theology. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to go now. Do you know why? Because you're not fighting. You don't even know you're in a battle. You're sleepwalking through life. You're not running the race. You're not fighting the fight. We need to be fighting sin every day. We need to be fighting evil. For you, for your family, for your community, for your church every day. John Owen said, you best be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Some of you don't even know what that means. You've got to wake up. You were in a fight. Every day is a fight against sin, against the old man. And in that fight, it creates a desire to see Jesus someday. See, the fight is what tells me I'm on the right track. That fight tells me I'm doing what God wants me to do, and the enemy is fighting against me. It's the fight that keeps me alive. And listen to me, man. If, if you're not in a fight right now, you should be worried. It's not because the fight didn't happen. It's because you're asleep, and you better wake up quick because there are lives that depend on you. Too many men aren't engaged in the battle for themselves and for their wife and for their family, for their communities and for their church. They're just not engaged in the battle at all. What's evil that I as a man can destroy? And go do that. Fourth question. What's good that I as a man can preserve? What's, what's good that I as a man can, can promote or, or pursue or replicate? We've got men in this church that are so generous. And I watch them and I'm like, I, I want that. I want to be generous like them. Uh, we've got men in here who are so compassionate with their resources and their time and their knowledge. And I'm like, I want to be like that. What's good that you as a man can preserve, that you can pursue, that you can replicate? It's one of the reasons why we have a men's ministry because when we gather and we start to hear what all the other men are doing, hopefully it'll promote something within us. It'll, it'll cause us to go, I want to do that. Our heart cries out for that. We need a battle. We need to be doing something so that we go to bed tired every night because if you go to bed and you're not tired, you are dangerous. 
pour yourself into something, something good. Um, we, we got men in this, this church who, they take care of the widows that live right around them. I'm like, let's promote that. Do that. Uh, we got men in here who have taken it up on their, their own shoulders to say, look, this young man in the church doesn't have a father. And things I do, I'm going to invite him to come along so that he has a, a godly male role in his life. You want to talk about a high, high calling. One of the biggest problems that we have today are just the young men that are being raised in homes without fathers. Now, nothing against women. Please hear me, ladies, especially single moms. This might be depressing, but we need to understand this. Women cannot instill in young men the masculinity that they need. They can't. You're not equipped for it. You don't have it. That's not your fault. And unfortunately, we're living in a culture today that has just too many broken homes. Man, we got to step up. We got a big job ahead of us. What good, what's good that I as a man can preserve? Those are the four questions for you. Now, um, have a little bit of time. I want to share this with you. I was hoping I could get to this because this is where my heart's at right now. And it comes out of a really strange passage in Acts chapter 19. Um, Paul has gone back to a place where he planted a church and he's gone back to check on them and some amazing things are happening. I just want to read this and then I want to talk, talk to, uh, to you about a couple of observations when it comes to manhood. Uh, it says this, God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. That in and of itself is kind of wild. When handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. A group of Jews was traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantations, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Now check this out. Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. Verse 15. But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled the house naked and battered. Now, I'm ashamed to say this, but I've been in many, many fights in my lifetime, and I've taken some big hits. But I've never been punched so hard that my pants came off. <laughs> Are you with me? Um, this in the South is what we would call a whooping. All right, these guys got whooped bad. Now, here's my observations for us as men today, okay? You are in a battle. Whether you acknowledge it or not, you are in a war, and if you're going to take on Satan, you better know Jesus. You better have a solid foundation, or you're going to lose every day of the week. And I'm not talking about, uh, I know Jesus who my grandmother knew. Or uh, I understand Jesus through my dad. It's you need to know Jesus personally. Like you have to have a relationship with him. It's got to be your Jesus. Now I love, I love how the demons know Jesus, but I, and I know this is weird, this is me twisted, all right? But when I let my sanctified imagination run wild just for a minute, I go, I really love the fact that those demons had heard of Paul. They knew Paul. What kind of problems do you have to be causing on this earth that when the demons gather in the break room, they're like, hey man, did you catch Paul this week? Like that dude is wreaking havoc, right? Let me ask this question and then I'll explain it, all right? Because this is going to sound crazy. It might even set some of you on edge just for a minute. 
Do the demons know your name? Men, do the demons know your name? Let me tell you where my heart's at in this. Years and years ago, before I was ever a police officer, before I ever went in ministry, I was at a men's retreat and I was with my brother and I love my brother. And he was going through some serious health issues. He was diagnosed with this thing called ankylosing spondylitis, very athletic, and his whole back, his, his cartilage was turning to bone. His spine was fusing. Lots of pain, lots of problems. And he confessed to me after one of the sessions, we were sitting and talking, and he confessed to me that he'd been contemplating suicide. My brother... And I can't, even, I can't even describe to you that moment what happened with the two of us, but we bowed up so bad, and we said, we're tired of this. Satan's coming after us. We're going to go after him. And in our immaturity, because I was a baby Christian at the time, I was just thinking, I'm just going to throat punch Satan. That's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to go after him, right? That's that aggression, that, that way God has designed us. But it had to be focused in the right way. And we just said, look, we're done. We're done playing. And our tagline was this, and we used to say this, and we still say this to each other every once in a while. We'll say, playtime's over. And what that means is we're going to go after him. We're done of just taking the hits. We're going to engage in the battle, and we're going to go after him. Now, that sounds pretty, pretty childish, doesn't it? And, and early on, as I started reading through Scripture, I started going, oh, I don't know if I want to say that anymore. Because I realized that Satan was bigger than me. And, and years later, here's what's happened. I've come full circle. I'm back to where I'm punching him in the nose, man. And I'll tell you why. It's not because of who I am. But it's because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world right? I serve the king. And it's not because of who I am or I'm so strong or I got, it's not that at all. It's just fact, I'm going to dedicate my life to Christ and whatever it takes, I'm going to give Christ everything I have. I've been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live on now in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And that's it. And by doing that, I'm swinging back. Jude 23, snatching people out of the fire. When I go and I share the gospel with somebody and I get in the tub and I get to baptize them, I'm punching Satan in the nose. It's the only way I can fight back and this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna love my wife so that nobody else gets in there. I'm gonna raise my kids to know Christ and now I'm a grandfather and those little girls, mm, nobody's messing with them. They're gonna know Jesus. And they're going to be strong, godly women who love and are dedicated to Christ. And that's my way of swinging back. Because I know Satan is already defeated. I love the Shane and Shane song, I'm fighting a battle that's already won. Men, stop acting defeated. Stop acting like you don't know you're in a fight. Grow up. Receive the call. Become men of God. I want you to live in such a way that hell knows your name. I want to be on Satan's hit list. I want the demons talking about me. And I know as I'm saying that, that that's like a target, but I'm going to be on my knees. It's not because I'm in the ring swinging. It's because I'm on my knees in front of the cross. The problem is I don't think we have enough guys that are there yet. When the demons gather, do they talk about the men at MVF? I don't know. I want them to. See, you need to understand that inside of every man, there's a warrior God has built within you. He calls it out, and the world keeps trying to push it down and telling you it's toxic and it's wrong. And I'm telling you, let that sucker out, but train him.
Train him in scripture. Focus it in the right direction because the world needs you. Your family needs you. This church needs you. Be the man that God's called you to be. Stop being passive, but engage. See, it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. And we have too many gardeners. The world's missing its warriors. But that's what happens when we listen to the world's voice and not God's. The world is missing its warriors. And that's what happens when a culture rejects chivalry. That's what happens when a culture detests strength. We're missing our warriors. That's what happens when the words like gallantry and bravery and valor are despised and considered sexist. We're missing our warriors. That's what happens when self becomes king and virtue is considered foolish. We're missing our warriors because conviction has passed away. It's been suppressed. We, we have found ourselves silenced because we're fearful. It's time for us to step up. In a world like that, men lose their courage. We need to reestablish our foundation. We need to point our characteristics, our attributes, the way God has made us in a direction that brings glory and honor to God. It's time we stand up. It's time that we live in such a way that heaven will stand up and applaud and hell will know our name. Where do you start? We just got a couple things for you. First of all, make your foundation Christ. If you missed everything else, I hope you got that. You need Christ as your foundation, men. Every one of us do. We can't do this on our own. If you've not received Christ, today's the day. Talk to the person that invited you. Come talk to one of the pastors. We would love to share with you how you can create this foundation, get started, and start growing. And then here's what's great about tonight. Um, You can receive Christ right now, and you can be baptized tonight. Take that first step. Join us tonight for a celebration service, and let's worship together, and let's celebrate sucker-punching Satan a couple of times, all right? Second thing, um, you can sign up for Better Man. We're kicking off a new thing tomorrow night called Better Man, and it's offered both in English and Spanish, so you can take it in whatever language is better for you, but we want you to come right now in this room tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. We've already got 134 men signed up to take Better Man. And so, yeah. Um, But I believe there's a lot of other guys who have not signed up for that yet. Sign up for it. Come. Make the investment. And then thirdly, I would say we have a men's retreat coming up in October. It's a month away. Men, sign up. This is an opportunity for us just to um, clock out. We leave Friday night, Friday, Saturday, part of Sunday, and we go, and we just spend time in God's country. It's just north of Woodland Park, beautiful place. There's something about men gathering like that, studying the word of God, worshiping when you got Pike's Peak sitting right there in your face. It's incredible, and it's a time to get away from all the distractions, everything, all the pressures of life, and focus solely upon God, and just ask God, what are you desiring from me? What do you want from me? And so I hope that you'll, you'll do those. Hopefully you'll do all three of them. Make, make sure, guys, that you're not being passive. You don't have an excuse anymore. You know you're in a battle. Engage. Engage. So that heaven will applaud and hell will know your name. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you, especially, Lord, for the men in this room 
The fact that they even came through the doors and some of them even came in and they brought their wives or their families with them. Lord, I thank you for their, just their um, courage of leading. God, I pray that you would bless that right now. That you would meet with them in their spirit, Lord. Let them know that you have a purpose and a calling for them just the way you made them. And Lord, help us reject these false foundations, these lies that we've been sold and help us to look to you for our foundation, Lord. And may you build within this church a group of men who would charge hell with water guns if we have to, to bring glory to your name, to rescue our families and our communities for Christ. God, I pray that we would make a stand like Joshua did and we would declare before you on this day that we serve you and no one else. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God, we pray all this brings glory and honor to the name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen.